Welcome to the Dwellings Podcast. We're glad you tuned in. Enjoy this message by Pastor Gunnar. All right, let's turn to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. We're going to be in chapter uh, 6, verses 10 through 12. Verses 10 through 12. No, I'm, I know she's here. I'm talking about somebody else. Come on up, though. You come on up. Um, verses 6. Uh, uh, chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Somebody said, that's only three verses. It shouldn't take that long. <laughs> you know what Bugs Bunny said? He don't know me very well, do he? <laughs> okay. So um, I, I want to talk about glory in the battle today. Okay. Glory in the battle. And so... We're going to talk a little bit about the devil. I don't like to talk about the devil a whole lot, give him too much credit. But if we're going to talk about him, we might as well share an embarrassing story about him. That's what testimony is, by the way. (laughs) It's embarrassing. Okay. So Amanda's got a testimony of what the Lord's done in her life. And I just want to, I want you guys to hear this and celebrate this and grab a hold of this. Morning. Um... Um, Last summer, we had that healing service here at the church. Um, So some of you might remember that this, and I have a little addition to the story, but um, I used to deal with so many different um, health issues. I had um, food sensitivities to like dairy, preservatives, gluten. The list goes on and on and on where I would get massive headaches. Like I pretty much had a headache every day of my life. Um, A lot of times I would end up with like food poisoning sick, um, probably like once every six weeks or so. Uh, Whenever I traveled for work, it was so exhausting on my body. I usually came home and we'd be sick after that. A lot of times I had uh, just very uh, fatigue. I would end up having plans with someone and I'd have to cancel and just stay at home and just like sleep and I don't know, if I pushed myself, I would end up sick, I would weak and shaking. And I had been to several doctors, I had been to five or six doctors. None of them really knew what it was. Some of them said it was nothing. Finally, they tested me and and came up with, I had Epstein-Barr virus, which is like, if you don't know, very similar to mono, but it still didn't make sense. The symptoms I was having, I had lost weight. got, had issues with digestion. I couldn't digest a lot of different foods. Um, it, it just, a dark circles under my eyes to the point where people, at one point, someone thought that I had like two black eyes. Um, so it, it just was, and nothing I could do was making it better. And so we received, I received prayer um, that Sunday and that night went home and had a sandwich, which sounds so simple, but normally I'd wake up with a massive headache and woke up the next day and I didn't have a headache. Um, haven't really had most of those health issues since, like God has healed, um, drastically awesome, better. Um, follow up on that, I went to the doctor probably about a month ago now. And I hadn't really been to him, hadn't needed to go to him since. And he took some tests that he had done a little over a year ago. And he said, Amanda, 
these test results are remarkable. He said, this is, this is amazing. I wish every patient looked like this. He said, your body has improved so much. And he showed me the test results where a year ago, you could see that like I had toxin buildup. My body just was like not getting rid of toxins. So anything that was a toxin would make me sick. And here the numbers had went like drastically down. And then he said, um, he's like, this, this is just, I, I don't even know how to explain this. And I said, well, I do. And so I shared this story with him and he's a Christian and he said, you know, I, I need to bring God back into the doctor's office. I, I, I need to start praying with my patients. Like, don't take God out of this equation. He said, I, God is the only one that can explain what happened here. The power of the testimony is, uh, it creates faith in us for God to do it again. So if you have any of those conditions, um, we're gonna have a few people up here at the end. Some of the community, community leaders from last semester, you'll come up here at the end and just receive prayer. I just believe the Lord wants to heal some people today. And it doesn't have to be that, it can be anything, okay? So just come and, and receive prayer. All right, let's jump into the Word. Say, I'm ready. ready. Are you really? Yeah. You sure? Okay. All right, you're going to have to help me today because I don't have much time here. I don't know if you have considered this today or this week or ever, but we're in a spiritual battle. We're in a spiritual battle. And some of you are highly convinced of that. <laughs> you're like, I know. Because I'm worn out and I'm weary. And I know that's the truth in here today. Some of you don't need convincing. And you know that's what's going on in your life. And you need some encouragement today and maybe a new perspective about who you are and how you stand in Christ and how we actually fight. But some of you have been just burned out, weary, depressed, distressed, fill in the blank. And you haven't really related it to the fact that you are in the middle of a spiritual battle, whether you know it or not. And so today, I believe that this message is going to help us just as we look into what Paul says about this battle that we're engaged in. I believe it's going to help us today. Do you believe it's going to help you? Because if you don't believe it's going to help you, it probably won't. But if you believe it's going to help you, it will because you'll receive the word. So I'm preaching to my, it's coming out of my mouth and right back here. I can hear what I'm saying, by the way. So I'm preaching to myself today as well. And so let's just receive God's word today. But here's what I know. I just wanna declare this over you today. The word of the Lord is stand firm. Stand firm. Just keep standing. You tired? Keep standing. You worn out? Just keep standing. Let's look at Paul's words to the church of Ephesus, chapter 10. I mean, I'm saying get my chapters and verses mixed. Have y'all noticed that? Verse 10 of chapter six. Paul says, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. 
verse 10, he says a final word. So if you've been here a while, you know for the last three or four years, it seems like it, we've been in the book of Ephesians. No, it's not been that long. This year, maybe. Uh, we've been just going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, line by line, unpacking scripture, which I love, by the way. Have you, has it been helpful? Has it been awesome? Uh, I, I love the fact that we've had other people up here, not just me yapping all the time, you know? So don't say amen too loud. I, but Adam was here last week up here talking about work. And the, the work, that work is not heavenly. I mean, work is not earthly, it's heavenly. Go listen to the message last week. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. So he says, Paul is saying, in light of all that we've, I've just written to you, believers at Ephesus and us in this room, in light of all of that, about glory in your life, glory in the church, glory in the home, glory in your, in your, in your, uh, in your career, glory in your parenting, after all of this talk about who you are in Christ and identity, and here's what you're called to, now Paul is wrapping this thing up, and he says, in conclusion, this is the final word that I have, and here it is, be strong, in the Lord and in his mighty power. The strength to stand in this fight is not found in you and me. Sometimes the most, the, the, the most, the times when I'm the most worn out spiritually, emotionally, every other way is because I've been fighting it myself. But the, but the, but the command here in scripture is be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. When you feel weak, he is, he's very strong. And that's how this thing works. It's like the battle is there, but we're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from a victory that's already been won on the cross. Colossians says that he totally disarmed the rulers and authorities in heavenly places that Paul's talking about here. Like the cross put a nail in, in, in your, what you owed, the debt that you owed was nailed to the cross. Is the final nail in the coffin. It's not like we're striving to win a battle. The battle's already won. Paul just says the battle is you standing. And standing has everything to do with trusting. That it's not my power, it's his power by which I stand. It's grace by which we stand. And so be strong in the Lord. It's his power. And his power in you is what we just sang about. It's your identity. And if you don't know who you are, or don't believe who you are, can't receive who you are, then it'd be real hard to stand. Because we're just gonna believe every little lie that comes in our ear. Every little lie from the enemy that it comes, every little fiery dart that comes. And so identity is very, very important that we know who we are in Christ. Do you know the weakest believer on their weakest day is a threat to darkness? Just because of who they are in Christ. The day where you think, man, I really screwed up today, this, that might have been the week you had. Do you know that darkness trembles when, the, when you get up in the morning? Just because of who you are. So it's time to start believing who you are. So you might need a good dose of truth to remind you who you are today. And I'm just going to say a few things. You're accepted in Christ, you're a child of God, you're redeemed. You're bought with a price. You're not your own. You're an heir of God. You're not united with Christ. You're not just standing beside Christ. You are one. It's not this, it's this. 
You're one with Christ. You're a new creation. You have direct access to God. You're complete in him. You're free forever. You're never alone. You're hidden in Christ. You're established, anointed, and sealed by God. You've been delivered from the kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of Jesus. And by his divine power and grace, he's given you everything you need for godly living. The scripture, this is all Bible. I'm confident. This Paul says, I'm confident that the work he began in you, he's going to complete it. I mean, turn your neighbor and say, I'm not, he's not done with me yet. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I know he's not done with me. Greater is he that is in you than is he, he that is in the world. You can't be separated from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. You're a temple. You're the dwelling. You're his workmanship. You're a branch of the true vine. You convinced yet? Dan is. Verse 11. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. What is God's armor? Well, I'm not teaching on that today because Lauren has got that next week. So I'm excited about that. Stand firm. He says, put on the armor so that you'll be able to stand firm. Have you noticed so many are falling right now? I don't say that with like a prideful air at all. I say that with grief in my heart. But there's a falling away happening in the church. And I maybe just declare over you right now, you won't be the ones that fall away. You're going to be the ones that stand firm because you're not relying on your own strength. You're relying on his. Strategies of the devil. Stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Have you ever heard the statement, God has a plan for your life? Guess who else does? He has a strategy. He has a plan. For your life, the enemy has a plan for your life. The enemy has a plan for your marriage. The enemy has a, a strategy for your children. I know this isn't happy, but it really needs to hit us today. We're not giving him credit. We're not giving him too much credit, but what, maybe what we've done is taken too lightly what he's capable of, and taking too lightly our responsibility to spoil his plans. Because that's what we've called, been called by God to do. Jesus came to destroy the works of the enemy. I have that assignment as well. And you know what? You have that assignment. And it starts right in the seat that you're sitting in and then it spreads to the family that you're involved with, the family that you lead, your spouse, your kids. Then it stretches to your community and then your city and then your nation and then your world. Yeah, yeah. There is a strategy of the enemy for Savannah, Georgia. Yeah. And the ones who will squash that strategy are the ones who will stand firm yes. and come against what he's doing and bringing the kingdom of God instead. So verse 12 says, we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Let me read that again. Yeah. We're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. The church likes to do that, don't we? <laughs> not just the church, but I mean, if anybody needs to know who their enemy is, it's us. But a lot of times we fight each other mm -hmm. in the body of Christ. 
lot, a lot of a lot of a lot of Christians can get distracted. Have you ever been distracted before from your purpose in life, from what God's called you to? Do you know where the word distraction comes from? It's the Latin word for where they used to tie up somebody in a torture uh, a torture thing, and they would tie ropes to the hands and the feet, and then they would tie the other end of the ropes to horses. Distraction will divide you. It'll only divide the body of Christ, but it'll divide you. And it give you an undivided, uh, I mean, it give you a divided mind. And, and distraction is when we get our eyes on politics more than we get our eyes on Jesus. It's when we get our eyes on our, our, our own methods or our own uh, uh, preferences rather than his presence. It's very, very easy to do. I've done it. You've probably done it too. But the strategy of the enemy, if he can't destroy you, he's going to distract you. So who are we fighting? If we're not fighting flesh and blood, see, and some of us need to just scratch that off. Some, someone is coming to your mind right now that you're at odds with or that you had the fight with or the whatever, and the, God, and the Holy Spirit's bringing that person to your mind. They are not your enemy. The ones who you think are your enemies are not your enemies. If they got bones and skin on them, then it's not your enemy. I don't care if he is a Democrat or a Republican. It's not your enemy. Your enemy is this. Paul says, evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world Mighty powers in this dark world and evil spirits in the heavenly places. So there are, in 2022, with our educated Western mindset, there still are rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Whether we agree with it or not, or whether we think it's Halloween or not, there are powers that we cannot see in a world that we cannot see that coexist beside our natural world that determines how we think, how we believe, how we perceive. It changes culture. Someone is believing something because it was told to them. Okay? Every thought you have is not yours. So, so what are we believing that we just think is true that actually might be a lie that we've just owned about our identity or about our city or about our family. There are unseen rulers and authorities that influence the way people groups think. It's biblical. And it's not just a charismatic thing, charismatic church thing. You know, there's plenty of, there's plenty of books out there. How to tear down principalities. I'm not against any of that stuff, but I think a lot of it gets weird. And I think a lot of it is distraction. But here's what I do believe. I believe 
that there are, there's biblical precedent for principalities over regions and stuff like that. You see that with Daniel. I believe that was a, that was a ruler in the unseen realm that came. And I mean, they fight an angel, so that's a reality. So I, I want you to just take, make it personal right now. Like in the land that you live in, the city that you live in, there are unseen rulers and authorities that influence the way the people who live in that region think and believe. And when the kingdom of God comes to a city, to a home, to a mind and a heart, it displaces the kingdom of darkness. Are you following me? So let's just say there's principality over a region. Let's say our city has a demonic stronghold over it. How do you tear that down? Well, brother, you get a book and you, you just declare declaration and you pray this way and you gotta do this and it's a 10-step program and you gotta have this and this and this. No, you know what it is? One act of obedience at a time. One person loving them Praying for them, it's starting with you and it's starting with your family. It's one act of obedience at a time. One act at a time. I probably should have set this up before I started. I was like, ushers, y'all, I would do this. I would let you do this, but it's so confusing. I'll just, I barely do it right. Okay. And some of you have seen my scale before. All right. You look at your life, you look at your city, you look at your nation, you think, man, seems out of balance. It seems like the kingdom of darkness is really, really winning right now. So how do you tip the scales? Did that do any good? Yeah, it did. Because I'm not going to stop. And so, just like you said, I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to love. And then I'm going to forgive. Say, it's not helping. It's not helping. Oh, come on. You know how this works. It works this way in the spiritual realm too. That's why Jesus said, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking. And he didn't mean on different doors. You know the story he tells where he says somebody wanted flour or something like that. Was it flour? I think it was. I need to make some bread. I got a neighbor coming in here in the middle of the night. Need to make some bread for them. So they don't have any flour. Go to the neighbor. Knock, knock, knock. Hey, I need some bread. Get out of my face. I'm trying to sleep. My kid, you can wake my kids up. And then Jesus says, he goes to the next house. No. He stays on the same door. <laughs> I got to have some flour. And it said persistence got the friend out of bed to give him some flour. Some of us knock a few times and then we give up and we move on to the next door. Persistence is focused prayer. It's focused intercession. 
is focused persistence on the same thing, knocking it over and over and over again. If I get a hammer on that wall over there and I knock on it two times, nothing's happening to that wall. But if I stay here all night and all next week, you're gonna see daylight before long. And then one day, an act of obedience tips the scales. One act of obedience can tip the scales. If you've known me for any length of time, you've heard me talk about this book called The Tipping Point by Malcolm Gladwell. It's out on that shelf out there. If you want it, go read it, but bring it back and put it on the shelf for somebody else. In his book, The Tipping Point, Malcolm Gladwell says that it only takes about 20% of the people in any given culture to tip the scales, specifically with ep epidemics. So the book, the book is talking about viruses and, and, and diseases that you would think that it would take 50-50, right? But actually, Malcolm's research says that it takes only about 20% for a disease, 20% of the population to get infected, and then it just spreads like wildfire. It's not slow at a certain point. Are y'all following me? Like there's a slow little tick and then all of a sudden when it reaches that 20% mark, there is an increased acceleration that takes over. This not only happens with diseases, this happens with ideas. That's what the book's about. It's, it's amazing. It's really fascinating. You should read it. Ideas and beliefs. So what, what he says is, if 20% of a population has a conviction, a belief, an undying belief that something is true, it won't be too long before it stretches and reaches the whole population. So it's not 50-50. It's far less than that. It's not like you're looking for that 51%. No, according to Malcolm Gladwell is 20%. Some people read that book and they said, well, we're gonna do our own research. Actually found that it may be even closer to 10%. There was some climate change studies done and they said that if 10% of this group of people believe in it, then it spreads like wildfire. With the right people at the right time, in the right place, it only takes 10% to change the mindset of a community. You see where I'm going with this? I've said this for a long time. And somebody asked me this week, they said, what's on your spiritual bucket list? They sent me a text. What kind of text is that? That's awesome, right? I like those kind of texts. What's on your spiritual bucket list? And I said, well, I don't know if I have a spiritual bucket list, but I have a dreams list and Everything's spiritual because I'm God's kid, you know? Yeah. And so, but one of, one of my things on that list, and I know this sounds crazy, and I know it sounds impossible, but one of my dreams on my dreams list is to see a move of God in our city that brings renewal and transformation to a city. And honestly, when we got into this church planning business, it was never my dream, and it's still not, to build a big church. The goal is to transform a city. The goal is to transform culture. It's to bring the kingdom of God where the kingdom of darkness resides and to displace it. And you say, well, Gunnar, that's 
that's kind of foolish because the dwelling church is that little block building on the west side of town. What's, what's, what y'all going to do? What is a little South Alabama boy that couldn't get an ACT score up enough to even get that scholarship or even get into college, had to retake the bottom line math, the bottom of the thing that I, the only thing I had to take in college, that math class, and I didn't even place for that one, and I had to take two math classes. I'm not the smartest tool in the shed, and I'm becoming more and more okay with that. Because when God shows up in any situation with any person, little as much when God is in it. And I don't care if it's a warehouse on the west side of town. God can use the little to bring lasting change. God can transform a city with a few people. And listen, if Malcolm Gladwell coming from a secular, secularist naturalist perspective says, hey, look, it only takes between 10 and 20%. What could God do with that? What does a spiritual look like? If God's people would begin to believe what he says about who they are, and then we start stepping in our homes and stepping in our, our workplaces, in our schools, in our communities, and we're bringing the kingdom of God. The purpose of your life is not just to go to heaven when you die. It's to bring heaven to where you are right now. And so that seems impossible, Gunner. It seems like how, the city of Savannah. Don't you know how dark it is? You walk down Broughton Street. You walk over here in West Savannah. Don't you understand? Yeah, I understand. But I also understand that God is powerful. And the gospel is powerful. And his kingdom is advancing. And those who will get on the train. Those who will get on the train will change everything. And it's about his glory. And when, when the glory of God and the fame of Jesus becomes our goal, there is no price too high. There is no sacrifice too great. Everything less than the glory of God will run out of gas in our lives. But when we put his glory and his beauty and his fame at the forefront of everything we are and everything we do, a city cannot help but change. The church... is the dwelling. That's who we are. Do I believe that this house can change the city by ourselves? I didn't say that. But I do believe this house can be a catalyst. What if 10% of the church started being the church? 10%. That's a tithe. What if 10% of the church just started being the church? It spread like wildfire. Oh, that's who God says I am. Oh, that's what Christianity looks like. 
It's not just going to church on Sunday. <laughs> it's bringing the kingdom every day of my life. I didn't know I could do that. I'll get on board with that. That's awesome. That's actually what Jesus has called us to. So, I don't believe it's just my dream. I believe it's assignment on this house. It's to be that catalyst. And if you believe that, welcome along for the ride. If you don't, hang around a little longer. Maybe you will. But that's what we're going after. This has turned into a Vision Sunday message, but like, guys, it's, we got to reach people. We, I want the church to grow. But I want the church to grow because it's more people knowing who they are in Christ so that a city can be transformed. The whole region can be transformed. And it doesn't take as much as you think. I hope that some hope has been injected into us this morning, that it's, it's not as hard as we make it out to be. Maybe there's somebody telling us it's harder than it really is. That's the battle. But there's a glory in the battle when we believe who we are and we just start living like it. So what's it going to take? It's going to take extraordinary prayer. It's going to take long obedience and it's going to take uncommon resolve. Battles aren't easy. You don't stand in the battle by doing it halfway. It's going to take extraordinary prayer. Extraordinary obedience to what he's saying. In the moment, not I'll do that two weeks from now. Not I'll do that one day when. It's extraordinary obedience in the now. I know God has said it. I'm obeying immediately. God's calling you to obey immediately today. I don't know what it is. Different with everybody in here probably. There is an area of obedience in your life that God is calling you to immediate obedience today. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Can I just say that today? Do not quench the Holy Spirit of God in your life. There is something that he's doing, and we are at a precipice right now. We're at a very, very important place, not just in the life of our church and of our city, but as a nation and as in the world, in the timeline, the prophetic timeline of, of all of history culminating to this moment, and it matters what we do in this moment. It matters what we do in this moment. It matters that we've got to invest in the next generation. It matters that we turn from that sin that we've just kind of been playing with. It matters that we invest into our families, into our marriages. It matters that we're investing into our mental and emotional health. It matters because we've been called to a long haul of obedience. This thing isn't going to happen overnight. Bringing the kingdom is easy, but it's long. It's like Eugene Peterson said, a long obedience in the same direction. And it's going to take uncommon resolve. When the battle gets hot and when it gets discouraging and when you get tired, you just keep standing because there's somebody fighting for you. So commit. And I I just feel, I was like, Lord, how do I, how do do we close this message today? How do I close this service out? Because you got to stop sometimes. I'm going to say amen. <laughs> and I just, I just felt, just call them to commit to what you just said. 
Call them to commit to extraordinary prayer. Extraordinary prayer is not, God, if you want to. No, you know what he wants. Just boldly ask and keep asking like the hammer on the wall. Come to prayer night this week. I know Wednesday night's not convenient. Come to prayer. I'm telling you, we're never going to see what God has promised us unless we take it. And there's something about praying together. If you can't come on Wednesday night, it's 7 o'clock. Set a timer. Pray with us. Pray with us. Commit to extraordinary prayer. Commit to long obedience that, hey, this is, this is like raising kids. You don't raise your kids overnight, do you? And sometimes it gets a little dark, and he's like, oh, my goodness. But you just keep at it, and you get up the next day, and you do it all over again. And you just keep, I don't feel like going to church today. Would you get up and go anyway? I don't feel like serving today. I'm tired. I'm hurt. I'm, I'm burnt out. Just serve. You know what happened? I was talking to somebody this week. We're, we're at their house. As Alex said this. He said, you know, on days that I just think, I don't, I don't really want to go to this person's house tonight. But then when I do, I get what I need. And I'm like, I'm refreshed. And it was like that for us that night. We'd had a hard day and we just did it anyway. Sometimes you don't feel like doing what you need to do. And long obedience is just a conscious decision to do what you don't feel like doing. <laughs> Am I coming on strong this morning? I'm, I'm passionate about this because I know this is the answer. I know this is the key. It's extraordinary prayer. It's long obedience and it's uncommon resolve. You feel like you're beating your head against the wall, just keep on beating it. Because the wall's gonna give before your head does. You just gotta believe it. Let's all stand. Worship team, y'all come up here and just pray, uh, play over us. And so here, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna call this church to do something. Y'all impressed with that. Spider-Man. I'm not going to call this church to do something I'm not willing to do. And so I'm going to turn this way. And I'm going to say before the Lord that I'm committing to extraordinary prayer. I'm, a, I'm committing to extraordinary obedience. And I'm committing to uncommon resolve. And if you are committing to those three things, I want you to come join me up here at this altar. And we're going to pray. This is how we're going to end service. We're just going to pray a prayer of commitment, a prayer of surrender. Because it's more about, it's, it's more than Sunday mornings. It's more than Sunday mornings. It's more than church. It's more than religion. We've all been called to more individually and collectively. So I want you to just cry out to God right now. I want you just to cry out. I want you to make a fresh surrender to God. Lord, we surrender to you. We're giving you our lives afresh, in a fresh way today. Lord, we're giving you our lives all over again today. In total surrender. 
God, you take our dreams, you take our vision, you take our, you take our families, you take everything, God. You take our finances. Lord, we're laying it all on the altar today because it's yours. Lord, we repent of believing the lie that anything belongs to us in the first place. And so, Lord, we cry out for a spirit of intercession, a spirit of supplication, a prayer to be poured out on this house. Lord, would you begin in our hearts? We pray this, God, but we mean it. Would you send revival and let it begin in us? Would you send revival and let it begin in us? We commit to extraordinary prayer and we will pray until we are blue in the face. We, are, we will pray until we see the change. We will pray until we see your glory in this city, in this state, in this nation, in this world. We will pray and we will obey. What is that thing he's calling to you right now to surrender to him, to be obedient about? What is it? Get up and do it. Just get up and do it. Lord, we exchange. We just make that exchange today. Knowing that what you give us in exchange is better than anything we could lay down. And so, Lord, we, we come to you in obedience, surrender. Oh, immediate obedience. God, we're committing to uncommon resolve. As we stand in your strength and your power, it is uncommon resolve that's going to shake the nation. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be uncommon resolve that will change this city. Lord, we long to see your kingdom come and your will be done in Savannah as it is in heaven. We give our lives to that mandate in this moment. Lord, that this day, lives have been changed, families, the history, the future of families has shifted. The future of this community around this building has shifted. And this city, something's shifting right now because of the yes in people's lives. And people watching online, you're joining into this prayer. Extraordinary prayer. Extraordinary obedience. Uncommon resolve. We commit in your strength. to him. Come and consume us, God.
Amanda, stay right here. Amanda's going to pray for you. If you've got any of the stuff that Amanda was dealing with that she shared earlier in the testimony, she's going to pray for you. Uh, Dane with the striped shirt in and Christy and Jason and Brandy right here. These are our prayer team today. <laughs> Surprise. All right. Okay. So I'm just going to I'm just going to close this in prayer. If you need to leave, you can leave. If you need prayer, come get prayer. If you want to stay and just be in God's presence, that's okay too. Father, we just thank you for what you've done today. We're just so thankful. We're just so thankful. We love you. It's a privilege to know you and to be partners with you in what you're doing in the earth. So yeah, we need grace, we need power for this commitment that we've made today. And we trust in you for that. Fill us up, Lord. And now we, as we're being sent out through that door out there as a warehouse, Lord, as a shipping department, that we bring the kingdom this week everywhere we go. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. amen. Have a great week. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, visit thedwellingchurch.org.